This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Good evening. If you're taking notes tonight, we're starting a brand new series called Real Life, and I'm starting off with a sermon with this title, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, or you can always follow along on version if you have that app on your phone or your iPad or whatever. You can go and search for a live event in your area, and you can actually follow along um, with the notes there and make notes of your own and send it to yourself later in an email, and uh, it's a great tool that we have. So uh, if you need to uh, do that, go ahead and log on to version. but the title of my message, if you're writing notes tonight, is called Which Table? And I'm going to start off in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. The Bible says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially Galatians 6 and 10 says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, that word household is actually translated in the Greek as a word oikosis or something like that. I don't know. I'm just making it up. You don't know. Go look it up later if you want to know how to pronounce it. But I'm pretty sure it's oikosis, and that's really relevant why. Well, because that word actually means this, that word household, it's a deep and powerful word. It's not just a light English word like we see household in the New King James Version. Or maybe you see the word family if you're using like an NIV or something like that. And what that word actually means, that oikosis word means a devoted, strong, intimate household. A devoted, strong, intimate household. That's what that word is being translated. So when it's talking about the household of faith. It's talking about God's family. Now, today the word family is being challenged because we're facing a very real enemy who would like nothing more than to see strong, devoted, intimate households become divided, become painful, become distant. The same attack that is in the family that you and I know as our blood relatives, as our mothers and fathers and as our brothers and sisters and our moms and dads, the same attack that's in that household is in the church, the body of Christ. And let me tell you, the answer to all of life's questions to find hope in a real way, to find true hope is in family, in the family of God, in the family of faith being a part of the household of God. Because you and I were not created to do this on our own. You and I were not created to go just figure it out. God didn't say, okay, man, I'm going to make you all by yourself. Now go figure it out. No, one of the very first things that God did after he created the very first man, Adam, was he said, it's not good that this guy's alone. So I need to make him a helper. It's not good that he's alone. And he gave the first man and woman... A charge to go out and be fruitful and multiply. He said, I want more of you guys. And I want you to go out and procreate. Because it's not good for you to be alone. Because you and I were created for connection. We were created 
to be connected. We were created for family. And that's what we are as the church, the body of Christ. We aren't just a place where we come and meet week after week and hear a sermon and sing a few songs and send our kids to Sunday school and we get all of these uh, wonderful uh, different programs and all of these different things that we're a part of. No, that's not what church is. Church is family. Church is not a building. Church is family. You don't call the house that you live in family. Well, I guess I'm going to family today. And then when you leave, oh, okay, I'm leaving family. No. It's your house. This just happens to be a place where the family of God, the body of Christ, comes together and meets because you are the church. We are together the church. The church is the body of Christ. God is our Father. Jesus is our big brother. He is the one who paid the price for our sin so we could be reconnected to God. And the Bible says in Romans 8 and 29 that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That Jesus would be the first. We are a family. And God created us to be connected. He wanted us to connect with one another. He wanted us as a body of Christ to understand that we are God's family. Check this out in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. If you've got your Bible, go there. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. I love this where 1 John says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. The Bible says that about God, that He is our Father. The love that the Father has for His children. What manner of love is this? How crazy is this that God, our Father, would love us so much? that we could be called His kids, His children. We are a part of His family. And let me tell you this, the church is not a business, it's the family of God. The church is not a business, it's the family of God. A business gives as little as they can to get as much as they can. That's what a business does. It gives you as little as it can give you to get as much as it can get. I remember when um, I was experimenting with some different recipes. One of my wife's favorite things to eat is red lobster shrimp scampi. One of her favorite things on the planet, okay? And if you haven't had it, you haven't lived. It would be the equivalent to, I guess, Sheboygan brats on a hard roll, whatever that means. <laughs> that was my wife's favorite thing. It's shrimp scampi at Red Lobster. So I get on one of these websites where I find out how to make something that tastes pretty similar. And I keep tweaking on it and tweaking on it. And my wife keeps telling me, yeah, it tastes really good, but there's something missing about it. So one day we're in Red Lobster. And I said, can I talk to the chef? That always makes your waitress or waiter really nervous when you ask him if you can talk to the chef. And it so happened that the culinary chef for the Red Lobsters for all of that district in Texas where I was at at the time happened to be there that day. And so he came to my table and I said, hey, I've tried to make my own version of shrimp scampi and it's close, but I just can't figure something out. And he asked me, well, what are you doing? And I told him all the steps I'd done. I told him all the tweaks I'd done. And he said... Well, it sounds to me like you're doing everything right. He said, but there's one thing you don't have. 
And I said, what's that? He said, it's our special ingredient. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, what's that? And he said, honestly, he said, honestly, I'm the culinary chef here. He said, and I've been a chef, you know, ever since I've been an adult. He said, I, this was always my lifelong dream. He said, I understand ingredients. I understand all kinds of things. He said, let me tell you. He said, I don't even know what is in this special blend. He said, but let me tell you something about it. He said, we put it in everything. He said, that's what gives all of our dishes its distinct flavor. That's why everything at Red Lobster tastes like it comes from Red Lobster. He said, we even put it in the biscuits. He said, that's why you can't quite duplicate exactly what we have because we put this in absolutely everything that we serve. And he said, restaurants do that all the time. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, just think about Mexican restaurants. How many different ways can you fold a tortilla, fry it, you can roll it and call it different things, but it's really the same thing. Because he said, the goal in business is to make money. So we're using a lot of the same things we already have and we're just repositioning so we can get as much as we can. And a lot of times, that's how some people will view church. And that's how sometimes church leadership views what it does for other people. They said, we're going to give as little as we can but expect a whole lot in return so we can get as much as we can. And that's not a family. A family doesn't just try to get what it can without giving. Because what a family does, the difference between a business and a family, is that a family gives. Right? That's what we do. A, a, family, a family gives. The family of God through Christ gives. God is our Father through Jesus Christ. And we're a part of His family. So guess what that means? That means if you're in Christ, if you're a believer, if you're a disciple, we're all related. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody in here is perfect. Not everybody in here has everything figured out. Matter of fact, I would venture to say none of us do. We all have our own little hang-ups and, and all of our different stuff that we deal with, our different little issues. We have people that we don't get along with, just like family. So get a good look at all the people in your church, because they're going to be in heaven with you one day, so you might as well figure out how to get along now. <laughs> because everybody here, if we're all following Christ, believing in Him, we're all going to be together forever. <sighs> That's kind of weird, isn't it? Some of y'all are just like, man... I don't know if I want to hang out with this person for five minutes. But you're going to be with these people forever. They belong to Christ because we're connected through Jesus. We're family. You can't get rid of us. <laughs> we are family, and we need to understand that as a body of Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible says this, 1 Timothy 3 and 14 he says, these things I write to you, though I hoped to come to you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. said the church is the house of God. The church of the living God. It's his household. And you and I are a part of that household if we belong to Jesus 
Christ. So here's the deal. The house of God is the family. It's the place for connection where we're not patrons, but where rather we're brothers and sisters in Christ. The Greek word for the word brethren is the exact same word that's translated all throughout scriptures as brothers and sisters. It's a term used for siblings. Sounds all churchy and spiritual. Well, hey there, these are the brethren. We're going to go fellowship with the brethren. Praise the Lord. Really? No, you're going to hang out with your brothers and sisters in Christ, which is your forever family. You know, if some of your earthly family, as much as you love them, as much as you feel connected to them, if they don't know Jesus Christ, they're not a part of your forever family. That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? That may mean that the person that doesn't know Christ could be sitting on one side, and then a person who does know Christ be sitting on your one side. And the person who does know Christ, they're a part of your forever family, and the person on your other side is not a part of your forever, even if they're a part of your natural bloodline family. You see, so this is so important that we understand this now, that we get a hold of this now, that we are the body of Christ, that we are the family of God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Romans 8 and 29 said. It says that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren, many brothers, many sisters, because the family does things a little differently. It's not somewhere where I check in and I check out. It's not somewhere where I come and I get plugged in and I get what I need for the week and then I go out and face life. No, that's not how family works. You don't go into your house and tell your family, I need you to love me and I need you to f make me feel secure. And then you go out and you go and you try to do everything that you need to do in life. And you just get beat up. And then you come back next week and you just need a quick one hour recharge. That's not family. Because here's what family does. The family comes together at the table. The family comes together at the table no matter how busy, no matter how worn out or what's going on in life, the table is where the family comes together. The table is where the family comes together. Now, set before us are two different approaches to the table. Two very different views. One is that of a restaurant, where we have this view of what gathering at the table would be more of a restaurant where I'm here to be served and I'm here to, you know, see what you can do for me and I'm here to have everything catered to me and the way that I like it because I'm a consumer. And I sit down at this restaurant table waiting for you and I get frustrated and I get mad and, and my food is cold and I'm very likely to complain about things because I'm here to be served. And all of a sudden, I don't like this steak. It wasn't cooked right. I don't like the mashed potatoes. They were too cold. Can I speak to the manager about this? Because we look at it through the lens of a consumer. You see... If you were sitting around your mama's table and you started saying some of that stuff, it wouldn't be long before your father probably took action across your head. <laughs> Mom, this, 
Mashed potatoes are a little lumpy, don't you? Come out! <laughs> it's about how long that would last. Because you see, your perspective is different when it's family. You know, you, when you're a part of a family, it's not you sitting there waiting to be served. It's you saying, how can I be a part? What is my role? How can I be a part of this big family? Maybe it was your job as a kid like it was mine to clear the table when the family was done. Or maybe it was your night to set the table or to do the dishes or to help out around the house because you understood it. You didn't question it. You may not have always liked it, but you understood you were a part of something bigger than yourself and your family needed you. Amen? And when you would come together at the table, it wasn't necessarily about what you could get, but it was how we grow together. And sadly, too many families don't gather around the table like they used to. They don't gather around the table and have those conversations about how was your day, what's new in your life, what's going on with this situation or that situation. But let me tell you, God is our Father. He sits at the head of the table, and we all come together and we gather not to see what we can get, but to see how much we can grow together and how much we can give. That's the difference between looking through the lens of a restaurant and looking through the lens of the family table. The difference between a restaurant, and a restaurant table and a family table is, are you involved? Are you connected? Are you doing anything? And that's really the difference because when you're a part of... A family and you sit around the family table if there's a need you say how can I give if you have a restaurant mentality a consumer mentality you're not looking at how do I give no one ever goes to a restaurant and goes um, excuse me could you call the manager over here I've noticed that your silverware is a little outdated I'd like to update that for you let me write a check I've noticed that this table's a little wobbly how much is it gonna take to fix that oh let me let me fix that for you we don't have that mentality because we're there to be served but when you're a part of a family, you're looking for needs and seeing how you can meet them. Whether you can meet them physically, emotionally, financially. Whether you can partner with someone and be there with them through the good times and the bad times. Not just for an hour once a week. Amen? Because we realize that this thing we call church is much more than a weekly gathering. It's much more than just something where we come to be served. It's actually something where we come together to grow and learn how to serve and grow in the love of God together. Where it's about loving God and loving people and giving and serving the world. And here's where that connection comes from. It comes from caring. That connection comes through caring because you feel the most connected when you give and serve because you care. You're not just a consumer. Now, I know that family can be crazy, it can be imperfect, and even annoying at times, but it's your family. And when it's family, your commitment level is different. Amen? When it's family, your commitment level is different. You're on a different plane of, of, of being committed. And when something bad comes, or when something good comes, you approach it and you handle it as a family because it's not about you, it's about the family. It's about the family of God. It's about us understanding, hey, when one hurts, we're hurting and we're surrounding you and we're empathizing with you and we're lifting you up and we're wanting you to know that we're here for you and we're praying for you and we care about you and that you matter because you're a part of family, because you're a part of something bigger. You're a part of something greater. It's the family of God. 
You know, you remember on the vacation movies with Chevy Chase, you remember Uncle Eddie? Everybody has an Uncle Eddie. Somewhere along the line, he may be called Uncle something else, but it's always generally Uncle, because uncles are just crazy. And you have that relative, you have that person that you go, oh boy, here comes Uncle Eddie. He's going to burn the house down or, or, or he's going to you know, set the Christmas tree on fire or whatever. But you notice even in those movies, it's funny, as annoying as Uncle Eddie is, he always sits around the table with everybody else. Why? Simple. Because he's family. You don't quit on family. Hello, somebody. You don't quit on family. You don't give up on family. Now, I know that you're looking through the lens of your own personal perspective of how you've been treated and things you've experienced and seen growing up. And maybe your perspective of family is a little distorted because you've been hurt by family. When you hear family, you think, oh no, I don't want any part of that because I've always been disappointed when I think family. I've always been disappointed when I think father or mother or uncle or sister or brother. I always think about pain and hurt. I always think about all of the things that happened that I didn't like and I wanted to get away. And let me tell you, this family is not perfect, but guess what? Our Father is. And because He is perfect, we trust in Him. And we come together to grow and to love Him more. Because He's leading and guiding and directing our paths. And He's helping us to grow in our love for one another. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus said we would be known by. He said, you guys are going to have an identification tag that everybody's going to be able to pick you out and know that you belong to God. And that you follow Jesus Christ and that you are disciples of Him. And He says, you want to know how? He said, the Bible, Jesus said this. He said, they will know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another. That's simple. Isn't that so simple? That's the difference between this family and maybe the natural family that you may have experienced that was full of disappointment. Is that when you come together at this table, what this is supposed to be, what this is called to be, what this family is called to be is a family that cares, a family that loves. Not a family that's perfect, but a family that cares and loves right where you're at. No matter how dark things may be right now in your life, no matter how stressful things may be, no matter how real life may be to you right now, how ugly it may be, oh, if you only knew what I was dealing with right now, if you only could understand what I was going through right now, let me tell you, I might not understand. But I can care for you. I can love you right where you're at. You want to know how I can do that? Because I love God. And because I love God, I naturally love other people. Because God loves people. And I've been hanging out with God and He's rubbing off on me. The more I love Him, the more I begin to love the things He loves. I begin to hate the things He hates. And let me tell you, for God so loved who? The world. That it caused Him to give His only Son. And that kind of love is the love that I'm growing in. Because I'm loving God, I'm loving people, and it causes me to give, it causes me to serve. Not because it's what I know I'm supposed to do, but because I'm a part of family. That's why I give. That's why I serve. Because that connection comes through caring. That connection comes through giving. I don't know how many times I've heard this, or how many times I've even said this. 
You know, as a pastor, I'll see people in the hospital a lot or I'll be at someone, you know, uh, uh, during a funeral or during a difficult time in their life. And I'll look around and I'll see people who are a part of a church family who are just surrounded by love, surrounded by care, surrounded by people who will say, hey, I want you to know I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm here for you if you need me. And I think and I say, God, how many... I don't understand how other people in life who don't have Christ and who don't have that support of that church, of that family of God, I don't know how they make it. I don't know how they make it because life is hard. Anybody figured that out? Life is difficult. Life will throw you curveballs all the time. And sometimes you'll feel snowed under and you'll feel like there's no hope. But if you have a church family, you know that no matter how low you get, that somebody's always going to be there for you. Why? Because we're the family of God. Because we're the house of God. We're the people of God. We're connected because we care about one another. I remember when my twins were born, I have... Twin girls, Abigail and Leah, and they're six years old now. And when they were born, Leah was born just fine. No, no, no problems at all. Everything was great. But Abigail was not born well. Matter of fact, she quit breathing. They had to call the helicopter to fly her to Children's Hospital. And on the helicopter flight, my little brand new baby girl died on that helicopter flight seven times. They had to bring her back seven different times. And they said they, they, were, they were about to call it seven different times. It's her time of death on this helicopter, seven different times. And I've got to drive to Little Rock, which was two hours away from my house. And my wife went ahead and met the helicopter there by driving before the helicopter left. So we were in separate vehicles. I kept calling her all the time saying, Honey, have you heard anything? Have you heard anything as the helicopter arrived? She said, They're not telling me anything. They're not telling me anything. The only thing that was going through my mind was they're waiting for me to get there so we can both be there at the same time so they can tell us that she didn't make it because things were just that bad. And during this time, I show up. I find out she didn't die. She was still alive. I broke down right then in that moment. I began to cry because all that stress and all that pressure of all those thoughts in my head. But you want to know who was there with me before I left? My church family. You want to know who was there when I got to the hospital two hours later? My church family. Do you know that during this time, we were in the hospital for three months. Do you know that during this time, there was a group of motorcyclists who were Christians called the Christian Motorcycle Association who rode up on their motorcycles because they had had a meeting. They found out about what was going on with our daughter because I was a pastor and I was connected to some people in the Christian Motorcycle Association. They found out what was going on and these people in Little Rock who had never met before in my life gave me a camping trailer, filled it full of groceries, and took up a $2,000 offering for me and my family. Never met them before in my life. Still don't know any of them except the guy who owned the camping trailer. Don't know any of them. Churches were taking up offerings for me because I couldn't work during this time. I, I lived in Texas, and, and, and somehow I ended up in Arkansas. It's a children's hospital three hours away from my house. You want to know who stepped up? When no one else could, the church, my church family. You want to know who was there the whole time? I even had people come from other churches 
Do you know, there was this one story that's real special to me. We couldn't touch our daughter for the first, I think it was two, three weeks that she was born because she was in one of those things. And we just had to look at her. And we could only come in during certain times of the day, small, small windows, to get to look at her and see her. And when we would come in and, and, and we would look at her, we would see that people we had never met before in our lives had put little trinkets and things on her bedside. They had taped little things. We're praying for you. You're in the hands of Jesus. People who are a part of my church family that I don't even know who they were. And you look at that and you're just weeping and you're like, God, I don't see how people make it through the difficulties and the storms in life without their family without people who are connected that care because real life is hard and the only way you and I are going to make it in real life is if we get out of this consumer mentality about church being what we can get and we need to come over to the family table and see what can I give, how can I connect, how can I care, how can I be a part of this family of God. That's the difference. That's the difference. Because, listen, Word of Grace is not a hospital or a gas station where you just come and get filled up and then you go and you leave. No, Word of Grace is not a one-stop shop. It is a family. Amen, somebody. I'll say it slow so I can say it some more. Word of Grace is not a gas station where we come and get pumped up. Word of grace is not a hospital where we just come because we're sick and then when we get well, we don't need it anymore. Woo! That's not what this church is. This church is family that is connected, that wants to deepen those connections, that wants to provide opportunities to connect better. Because we're not perfect. We don't do everything perfect. We're not an organization that's just trying to get something from you as an individual. And we're trying to give you something as an individual just to serve you and make you happy. No, that's not what it's about. It's not coming here to be served. It's coming here to be a part of something bigger. It's coming to be a part of the family of God. Because church is not somewhere you go. It's who you are. It's not somewhere you come and you hear a good message and then you forget about God the rest of the week. No, you're connected, man. You're a part of the family. This is God's house. He's the Father. This is His table that He sets. And we come and we all do our part because we understand we're not here to be served and see what we can just get out of the deal. But we come and we realize I'm here to be a part, to serve, to give, because I care, because I'm connected. Huh. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. I hope this is helping you tonight because it sure enough is helping me. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 says this, that we should no longer be tossed to and fro as little children, carried about with every wind of doctrine doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may we grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body the whole family is joined and knit together 
by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share and when every part does its share it causes growth of the body and edifies itself in love that's what the bible says about the church about the body of christ we are to be equipped so we can edify the body of christ the family of god those who are connected to this family of caring, this family who can show that love of God that's been shown to us, who can show that forgiveness that's been given to us, who can be good stewards, as the Bible says, of the grace that's been given to us because we understand we're a part of a family. For us to handle real life, real issues like parenting, like divorce, like loss, like depression, like guilt, sin, we need one another. The Bible says that. The Bible says we weren't created just to be alone. God saw it wasn't good. God saw that man needed family. God wanted a family. So he created you. He created me. He created us to be connected to one another because we're family. Word of grace is a family that does life together. To be a part of something alive that is moving forward and growing, that's what we want to do. Each week, we set the table and we do our part together. Throughout the week, we may connect and grow in different ways and care for one another. That's what a church is supposed to be. That's what we're called to be. That's how we do real life together. As we get further along in this series, we're going to talk about more practical things that we can apply as we handle real life. But I wanted to set the tone for this series. And I wanted to open up with this question. It's the very thing that I asked you when we began. And I asked you to write down. Which table are you sitting at? Which table are you sitting at? It's time to start giving and serving. It's time to be a part of family. It's time to move from a consumer to a committed connected part of family because family grows together that's the mentality and the perspective that I want us to have as a church as we're moving forward and as we grow and as more people come guess what they're coming into the family of God and it's awesome more brothers and sisters coming into the house of God more people we can care for more people we can love more people we can mentor more people we can disciple more people that we can love on and be there for who have hurts and needs just like you it's not all about what I can get. Sure, I'm going to get things out of it. That's good. That's not why I'm here. I'm here because not only of what I get, but what I get to be a part of. What I get to do. What I get to help make happen. Let's grow together in loving God, loving people, and serving the world because that's what family does. Family grows and does real life. That's what we do. So I don't know what that means for you. You say, Pastor, I, church is too big. We've grown so much this past year. I don't know anybody. I hear that all the time. I don't know anybody. I don't either. Sometimes I'll go through McDonald's and somebody will say, I'll see you tomorrow, Pastor. I'll go, okay. <laughs> I don't, you know, that stuff happens. It's funny. You see people in Walmart. Hey, oh, hey, guy. I mean, that's great. I love that. 
I love that because I'm going, this family is expanding. But let me tell you, when a family expands, like our church has expanded and, and, and grows, it's, it's not really necessary that you know every single person here, but it is necessarily that you understand that you are cared for and that you are called to help care and connect with others. Amen? Not everybody has to know everybody, but it's good for everybody to be connected and know somebody because we're a family. We're a family and we care for one another. So I want to challenge you to get connected by begin to give, begin to volunteer, begin to get plugged in, begin to, we're going to have upcoming groups and we have stuff that's going on now. We're, we're, we're wanting to focus. God has put in my heart so much for us to focus on just connecting and growing and doing life together and mentoring and, and discipling. I don't know if you guys were here or not. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't. But when our team came back from Mexico, we had everybody on the team share just a little snippet of what they got, what God did on their heart when they were in Mexico. And you want to know one of the most powerful testimonies to me that was shared on the trip was a guy by the name of Mark that went on the trip. And when he got the microphone, he, he didn't talk about how much the orphans touched his heart. He didn't talk about how much the ministry that was going on there touched his heart, even though I know it did. And it touched all of our hearts. But the thing that gripped his heart the most was that there was someone else on the team who he looked at as a mentor. And he said, this person mentored me this week. And I looked up to him as a man. And he began to help me with things in my life. And this guy didn't even realize how much he had been pouring into Mark. And that connection and that mentoring that was going on. When he said that, I said, that's what we need to do right there. Connect, disciple, grow, build together, do life together, grow together, do real life as a church family, not as a restaurant. Amen, somebody. So it's time to get connected. It's time to take the plunge. If, 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 if you feel disconnected, then it's time to get involved. It's time to start giving. It's time to start linking arms and hearts. It's time to start being a part of the family because that's what this is. This isn't just a, sh this isn't a show. This isn't something where we just come and sit and we're entertained. We hope Pastor Derek says something funny. I will. <laughs> At my own expense most of the time. But we don't come here just to laugh and be entertained. We come here to grow, to do life together, to connect, to be a part of family. Amen. I want you to bow your heads this evening. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com.